new millennial Patreon video series where I come over to Laura and Pam's house and decide what gets sold. And and Laura and I are just going to be like, uh, this still brings us joy. And Andrew's going to be like, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I can see the look in your eyes. (laughs) Your eyes are as dead as ever. Yeah, bitch. The look of fear. I know you. Welcome to Millennial, the home of pretend adulting and real talk. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Well, speaking of real talk, we got some real talk out of the D.C. Circuit Court today. Um, So a three-judge panel of that court voted unanimously to say that the president, wait, wait, hear me out. This is going to be shocking. What a dramatic pause. (laughs) This is dramatic news, breaking news. The president actually can't do anything they want while in office and actually can face charges for actions taken during their presidency. You don't say. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, no. Yes. Well, that's definitely exciting news. <laughs> However, this can be pushed further up in the appeals courts, right? And of course, it could go to the Supreme Court. Well, the next court that it would go to is the Supreme Court. So that's what's going to happen here. Um, but I did want to just take a moment to read a quote. Of course, I skimmed this report. I had to. Um, there was a quote that literally made me laugh out loud as I was reading it. And it goes... It would be a striking paradox if the president, who alone is vested with the constitutional duty to take care that the laws be faithfully executed, were the sole officer capable of defying those laws with impunity. The TLDR being, no one is above the law, including the president. Oh, that makes me want to make those orgasm sounds that (laughs) Trump was just making on our podcast. (laughs) Please don't. Please don't. Um, But like you said, Andrew, Trump actually has until February 12th to appeal this to the Supreme Court and ask them to temporarily block the ruling to delay his case from heading to trial. He could also ask the entire D.C. Circuit Court to reconsider the case, but that's unlikely because the condition that was placed on him Uh, with this ruling was that if he asked the entire D.C. Circuit Court to um, to review this decision and if they came to the same decision, he could not appeal that again and his case would go straight to trial. So he's not going to do that. He's going to appeal to the Supreme Court um, for a, a stay in this case, which is ultimately his whole legal policy practice. It's the whole approach his legal team is taking is to say delay, delay, delay until, you know, they hope he gets back in office, at which point he can pardon himself. He can direct his Justice Department to dismiss all the charges. None of that helps him in any of the state level issues that he's seeing in Georgia or New York. But ridding himself of those federal charges would uh, definitely remove a huge barrier for him. What do y'all think of this latest ruling from the D.C. Circuit Court? I guess I'll say what I've said before, which is that the Supreme Court has surprised us a few times. So I can't wait to see at this stage where this goes from here. But yeah, our best option to truly have Trump put where he belongs is to make sure he doesn't win the White House. Part of this is also just the court of public opinion, right? And the longer this gets drowned out, the the more likely that people are to forget the specifics of just how severe some of these charges were. And I think that in addition to the actual legal proceeding, that is what worries me from like a, a long term standing effect, regardless of how they choose to decide whether or not they find him guilty of all or none of these charges. So that's a good point. The longer we sit with all of this, the more we're just like, ah, was what happened yeah, that bad? Because like we just yeah. forget with how much time has passed. Something that I think is really interesting. I am very worried about what the Supreme Court is going to do here. 
My hope and my inclination is to think that they're just going to decline to hear this at all. The reason Mm. for that being that has kind of been their MO with any appeal Trump has tried to bring to them in recent history. So there were a number of cases that he tried to appeal to the Supreme Court in 2020, um, namely among them attempts to subvert the results of the election. They declined to hear it. Um, He also tried to appeal the decision that ultimately allowed the Manhattan district attorney to access his tax records, thereby uh, proving the hush money paid to Stormy Daniels before the 2016 election. The Supreme Court saw that and was like, nah, man, you got to hold that L. Um, And what's (laughs) so funny about that particular case is they took a quote from uh, Kavanaugh's written agreement with that court decision that basically says the president doesn't have complete immunity. That is the TLDR of what Kavanaugh said back in 2020 when Trump was trying to um, ultimately block the Manhattan DA from accessing those tax records. Um, So this court has not always swayed along the Trump line of persuasion every single time. I think there's a chance they may decline to hear this because honestly, it's a lot of drama and I don't think they want it. I don't think they want it. The court is already embroiled in quite a bit of drama with some really controversial rulings that have come out of it, but there are also ethics investigations at play. My guess would be to say, I think they're going to refuse to hear it. Mm, Fun prediction. Yeah. Well, I hope I'm right. Um, But we should know in the next couple of weeks whether or not they're going to take it up. If they do take it up, it could be summer before we know (laughs) how they're going to decide on it. And that could really, really delay a trial from happening. We'll keep an eye on it. I'm also not a legal expert. So this is just me trying to cobble together my thoughts. You're our legal expert, Laura. That's your opinion is the only one we need. That's a sad state of affairs. If I'm being totally honest with you, (laughs) there are podcasts called armchair expert. Just lean into it. Just be like, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'll I'll tell you this. I think they're going to decline to take this case. Well, yeah. Okay. There we go. I really don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And nobody, nobody should base their opinions on my opinions. That's very dangerous. And people doing that kind of thing is exactly exactly what landed us in this mess anyway so please don't (laughs) (laughs) i mean i could see that notice with like you know legal advice or health advice but the supreme court taking this up ah, i say speak your mind on this let people believe it (laughs) yeah okay thoughts and prayers so pam what else is going on we have some big music news slash drama happening right now if you use TikTok, you might have seen or noticed that some of your favorite creators videos have been muted or even some of your videos have been muted. And that is a result of a licensing agreement dispute that is currently happening right now between TikTok and Universal Music Group or UMG for short. They are one of the big um, music Uh, recording labels, and they have a very massive artist catalog. Chances are one of your bigger favorite artists, sometimes even smaller artists too, because like I said, their reach is very vast, is under the UMG umbrella. So under one of these imprints, I'm talking about artists like Taylor Swift, Drake, BTS, Harry Styles, so many people. Laura T, Pam G. Oh, yes. Of course. How could I forget? So basically what happened was they failed to reach a new deal agreement to renew these licensing rights for the music catalogs of the artists that are represented by them. And because of that, late last week, UMG started pulling the rights, which is why you may have gotten a copyright notice, again, saying that your video had been muted or why some of your favorite videos don't have sound anymore. So this is kind of a big deal because TikTok is an app that is run by music. So much of how things trend and how people search for 
new videos to watch are in relation to specifically like music and like officially licensed music as well. So to see so many of these videos all of a sudden get muted and people and, and just to see that you can't even like use this music on your TikToks is kind of crazy. Um, I was a little bit concerned when we talked about bringing this up on the show about it still being timely, because I guess I was just wishfully thinking that they would have rectified things and realized that they kind of need each other. So they need to kind of like settle their their differences and come up with some kind of agreement that would work for all parties involved. But I guess that's not the case because we're recording on Tuesday, February 6th. And as it stands, no licensing agreement. It's so interesting because they both need each other pretty badly, right? Like TikTok is an amazing place to discover artists. And for artists, it's an amazing place to have your music go viral and hopefully, you know, that'll lead to ticket sales, album sales, etc. So yeah. it's almost like who's going who's going to blink first because who can hold out longer? Exactly. And again, you know, you can think about this from a smaller artist perspective because smaller artists still fall under the UMG label if they're signed by a um, you know, like a um, an imprint of UMG, right? It's uh, Universal Music Group has multiple labels under their umbrella. So you could have a smaller artist that maybe was on the verge of making it big and all of a sudden their sounds aren't available anymore. Um, Taylor Swift, also somebody that we discussed as being like her music being affected by this. Obviously, she doesn't need any more free press, but she just announced her brand new album is coming out on April 19th. Imagine this drawing out until then and then Taylor Swift and her team not even being able to promote her music on TikTok or try and make it a viral moment, as we see so many artists, big and small, try to do now as a part of their marketing campaign. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about taking the Taylor Swift example further. Antihero, when that was released all over TikTok, you were seeing the it's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me part. I mean, it (laughs) blew up thanks to TikTok. And isn't it true that some artists have been making songs shorter to appeal to the TikTok crowds. Like I, songs have been designed for TikTok in recent years, right? I definitely think so. I think that um, if the songs are not shorter themselves, then artists are definitely trying to come up with some kind of viral hook that can fit into about a minute because that's really the the sweet spot for these sounds for people to to use them or gl- grab onto them. But that that's kind of a matter of how you know, TikTok is really changing the music landscape. And up until this point, we are also seeing this is like a little bit more inside baseball. But if you follow the trades, a lot of these think pieces that have been coming out over recent years about TikTok's relationship with music is how um, record labels are looking for their artists or artists that can make hits on social media. So it, it all kind of feeds into itself, right? They really are a business now that goes they go hand in hand with each other. And it's um, it's very interesting to see this happen because you also kind of think like, well, if UMG is doing this now is another major record label next. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if they get better terms, I would think the record labels will unless TikTok agrees to those better terms for these (laughs) other record labels. Well, speaking about how the public has been reacting, the TikTok community reacted pretty quick to all of this. Some fans have started making their own sometimes off key covers of popular songs that were already trending on the apps because now you can't use them. So that's been kind of funny to kind of see crop up, although there are some people with very good covers in on the other side of this. They're now seeing a nice little spike in their numbers. So <laughs> good for them. Yeah. Pam, what songs are you missing from your videos now? Maybe we should record off what key am I covers. missing? <laughs> I'm missing um, mostly Taylor Swift songs, but UMG doesn't fuck around when it comes to Taylor Swift. So I'm missing Marjorie, uh, which is a tearjerker. And I'm missing Bejeweled. And I'm missing, um, I think it's Mastermind. Okay. Maybe yeah. I could do like, slam poetry readings of some of these like marjorie (laughs) the autumn chill that wakes me up you love the amber sky so much long limbs and frozen swims you'd always go past where our feet could touch 
Was that slam poetry? <laughs> I'm going to use that sound <laughs> in my muted video. Clip that. Please somebody use it. <laughs> Can we actually make that a sound on TikTok, please? Probably. I could do better than that, though. Yeah. Give me some direction. Yeah. Do the hook of Bejeweled. That that always goes viral because there's a dance that goes with that. Best believe I'm still bejeweled. When I walk <laughs> in the room, I can still make the whole place shimmer. I don't know how the song goes at all. So I'm just like totally making this up. And when I meet the band, they ask, do you have a man? I could still say, I don't remember. Familiarity breeds contempt. This is, I don't like this because I don't know how this Andrew, song goes. Andrew, I, what? I'm so sorry, but right now you are giving the same vibes that like any kind of talking head gives when they start reciting lyrics that they think are offensive. Like I'm thinking oh, yeah. of Ben Shapiro just reading the lyrics to WAP. <laughs> In addition to the... Um, renditions. Some people are also using sped up versions of pre-existing tracks. This is something that predates the um, licensing agreement disputes. Like sped up versions of songs have been a thing on TikTok for a while now. So I guess those are still a go, a good option if you're looking to replace your sound. I Honestly, the reason that I've just kept all of my stuff muted is because I'm hoping that an agreement will be reached and they'll just like reinstate the sound. And yeah. I don't know enough about TikTok with regards to like whether you can go in and like re-edit the video after you've posted it so you can like use the original sound, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't change. I wouldn't I wouldn't advise anybody to change their songs right now because I agree. Like once the contract's worked out, all of this will magically come back. That said, to your point about replacing songs, I can't speak to TikTok, but I know YouTube does offer a feature that lets you strip a copywritten song out of a video and I guess replace it with something else. Yeah. And TikTok makes it pretty easy to do that too. Once they serve you like uh, that, that sounds like really scary. It's not super scary. They just send you a notice that says, Hey, you're using co- a music that is under someone else's copyright. Like you can sub it out now and they make it really easy to do that, which is nice if you want to, or you could just wait. Like that's what I'm doing. So yeah. Obviously, none of us here are like professional TikTokers or, you know, active um, users that post regularly. But the people who are have already started raising concerns about how this is going to affect this is going to affect their engagement. And I think a lot of this fear is also coming out of wondering whether something like this is going to happen again. Yeah. Creators are no strangers to being a slave to the social media algorithms. You always got to please the algorithm in order to keep your videos appearing in people's feeds. We hear about this all the time. When you go on YouTube, we're always hearing people say, make sure you like, comment, share, watch the whole video, because these are all signals for the algorithm that these are apparently good videos. And so it'll surface the video to more people in their respective feeds. So that has always been a massive pain in the ass for creators. And now there's this new wrinkle that we've known is a possibility, but it hasn't really shown its face before. And this new wrinkle is that you're beholden to other people's music licensing agreements. And now you have to keep this in mind that the music could disappear at any moment, or at least when these contracts expire. Now I feel for these creators because they have it's it's tough enough to juggle getting people to engage with your content. But now one very appealing part of your video is suddenly just being stripped away because, oops, you've actually been dependent on all these major artists and jumping in on these viral songs. I um, am on TikTok. I do post videos from time to time. We know that I am a little creepy. Jokingly, I have a, I, I have a drone and I joke about creeping on neighbors. I don't actually do that. Mm -hmm. I take my drone and I film scenic locations and I really enjoy doing it. But I always attach a song to it. And I was looking through my videos earlier today and two of my videos are missing songs. One was U2, (laughs) of course. Um, And then the other one is missing a song, but I don't know what song I had it set to. I can't seem to see that. So it's disappointing. Have you guys noticed on your For You pages videos that don't have songs? My big question is, 
is TikTok surfacing these videos right now that don't have music? I've seen some, not a lot of them, but what I have seen uh, are a couple of creators who are kind of leaning in to the moment and still putting up their typical content like TikTok dance videos, but they're captioning it when we don't have music, essentially, like they're leaning into it and making fun of it and kind of playing it tongue in cheek. But I can't say that I see a lot of them. I've I've seen the same as you, just people kind of poking fun. So either stitching their old videos that are now muted or like you're saying, like still doing the dance challenges or their normal content, but just without the music. So I guess where there's a will, there's a way online, but uh, the stuff like that's going to get old fast. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. I, I just feel for these creators who if TikTok has decided and I it seems like a good decision, I guess, to no longer surface videos with music that's been taken out into people's for you pages then that's going to cause a major hit to these creators and the amount of views that they're getting. And then suddenly you're going to have to either A, replace the song, but you're going to have to also keep in mind that the song is probably, it's going to come back at some point. You just don't know when. Or or B, just, you know, just deal with it and wait. Yeah. And maybe start being less dependent on major artists because you never know when these things are going to disappear. Yeah. The other thing too is that the TikTok for you page is not linear. So you might see... Just based on your algorithm, right, you you could still be served up a TikTok that someone recorded in 2021, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of ways, uh, people that post on there, they their content has a life beyond the the normal time span that you used to have if you were just uploading to, say, YouTube, for example, or even if you tweet to Twitter, because that gets buried pretty quick, like TikToks can resurface. And so I'm sure that um, you know, even if like th- these creators are not worried about their new content, they're also not getting that little like boost from the old content that was still circulating around. And that must really suck. Yeah, I will point out um, Rachel in our discord is saying my feed used to be very heavily music based and now it's all story times and comedy videos. So I wonder if some creators are pivoting right now to say, OK, we're going to lean away from. Uh, the music videos, and we're going to try and fit our content into these genres so that we know it's actually being seen and surfaced in people's For You pages. And she just confirmed that this change occurred in the last week, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. So I guess I really haven't thought too much about it if I'm noticing the same thing. Well, to kind of wrap things up here, um, I wanted to ask you all, who do you think is going to back down first here? Because, you know, on one hand, TikTok definitely needs licensing for these catalogs, especially from the major record labels, like I said. But then on the other hand, like we were discussing at the top of the segment, UMG really benefits from their artists, big or small, going viral and having moments on the app. And that can't happen, I guess, really if the music can't be used on the app, because ideally they're going to want, you know, that music to be the official track that's linked under an artist's official page, not, um, you know, something that's being posted by some random person. Not my bad cover of Bejeweled. Right. They don't want Andrew's cover of Bejeweled. This is really hard for me to answer because, like I said earlier, both sides have a lot to gain from these artists being on TikTok. So assuming the Supreme Court declines to take this case as well, I'm going to guess that they are going to come to more reasonable terms. They're going to have to meet in the middle. Both of them are standing their ground pretty firm, at least several days have passed. We survived that initial removal. I'm going to say they're just going to find a middle ground and of course, all these other music labels are going to be paying close attention to what happens, too. So I think TikTok is going to want to make UMG happy so that the other music labels are going to be happy down the road. I think TikTok's also not going to want to give them that much because they know that other music labels in the future will demand more from them. So they definitely have a bit of a tightrope to walk from a business perspective. I think that TikTok is is going to offer 
something up first, but like you both said, I don't think it's going to be exactly what UMG wants. Um, some of the other part of this too, and we don't have to get really into it because I think a lot of it would be rehashing is um, one of the things that UMG stated in this open letter is that they were concerned about um, AI and how that plays into, uh, you know, their artist catalog being used. And I think that that's a very real threat, right? It's, across all different kinds of industries, but especially for music. I, I see AI renditions of songs all the time, or at least I used to, where it's like, you know, like maybe like Harry Styles is singing a BTS song or something like that. So, right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think maybe they'll bend a little bit more on some things, but maybe a little bit less on the, the payout side, because we already know they don't really like to pay out their creators. So why would they want to pay out anyone else? I'm pretty sure TikTok initially said we're not dealing with AI right now with you, right? Isn't that what they said? Yeah, and and like that makes sense because they benefit from AI. Look at all their like their filters, their AI filters, all that stuff. Yeah, they have so much, but to your point with the Harry Styles example, that really dilutes the brand. If Harry Styles is doing BTS, and then it takes away from the attention around BTS, I think. Yeah, it it's just like it it confuses the consumer, I guess you could argue. I'm sure that is what they would argue. Yeah. UMG is not happy with the tools that TikTok has when it comes to AI. UMG said TikTok is allowing the platform to be flooded with AI-generated recordings, as well as developing tools to enable, promote, and encourage AI music creation on the platform itself, and then demanding a contractual right, which would allow this content to massively dilute the royalty pool for human artists. Yeah. I didn't even read that <laughs> before I brought up the dilution point. I haven't looked into it, but all, all I'll say on that front is that I hope that... Um, if they're they're fighting tooth and nail this hard with TikTok over AI, that they're extending the same courtesy to the restrictions around AI that they're also allowed to use with relation to their artist catalog. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break and then we are going to talk about tiny homes. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. Welcome back. So as Andrew teased, we're going to talk about tiny homes, tiny houses. Tiny home craze has been going on for quite a few years now. Uh, I think it's safe to say that most of us are familiar with the concept of people buying these um, sort of modular house in a box homes that are very low square footage very small and kind of require you to live a minimalist lifestyle. But the really great trade-off of it is that it is much cheaper than traditional homeownership. Recently, some creators have gone viral on TikTok and a number of other social platforms uh, when they bought tiny houses off of Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) This was the weirdest thing to me. I don't know if y'all got a chance to watch the TikTok I linked in the doc, but you literally see these guys receiving this giant box <laughs> from Amazon. Wait. Okay. Okay. All right. Sorry. What? Go ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> Wait, what? Say it. So the Amazon logo, you know, that smile, they definitely yeah. painted the smile on the box. Okay. Right? <laughs> I'm sure they did, but still, they had to get it delivered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's just so funny that they thought to paint the Amazon logo on this giant ass box because Amazon clearly does not make those. Yeah, they're boxes going. That... They're going for authenticity. Uh-huh. Right. Right. Because obviously, if you buy your tiny home off Amazon, you know it's quality. Nobody's ever gotten anything shitty off Amazon. Oh, definitely. <laughs> But the reason that this is making headlines, again, for millennial and Gen Z generations, homeownership often feels like something that's going to be really difficult for most of us to achieve. So the appeal really is in tiny homes being an affordable alternative to that traditional homeownership. Um, for people who are saddled in student debt, <laughs> like we are, or simply for those who just find that their wages aren't keeping up with the cost of living. Theoretically, another plus in the column of like pro tiny homes is that they can allow someone to live where they want and work remotely. 
um, which we know is a big thing right now. You always hear stories. And I think there's some of the um, popular and probably uncommon stories of people getting a tiny house and setting it up on a beach, for example. So they live at the beach in their tiny house. I don't think that's how it probably goes for most people. I also thought it was interesting to mention the number of places where you can buy tiny homes. Uh, I found some on Etsy, wow. <laughs> which so is wild to me that people like, okay, I understand it, right? Like, I suppose anybody could make a tiny home and manufacture it and sell it just like any other homemade good, but it feels like there should be some regulations around <laughs> these things. And I don't know if Etsy is the right venue. Um, but you can also get them from Walmart and Home Depot, and that's not much better. So <laughs> some of these look really nice, though. I mean, they are modern. They do. Uh, this one on the, that you linked on Home Depot is nice. It's 50 grand. It's got a spiral staircase outside that leads up to a rooftop deck. It's got a patio. It's uh, again, looks very modern. It's got sliding doors. I like it. 600 square feet, one bed, one and a half baths. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can see the appeal. And I think, again, really starting with the price, when you think about the fact that the national average home price right now is a little less than $500,000, um, it's really tempting to look at tiny homes and see, hey, the average cost of these is 50 k It's way more affordable. Now, mm -hmm. that said, it means that you have to have tens of thousands of dollars just on hand to be able to buy one of these, which could be a barrier for people. I imagine a lot of people would have to get some kind of loan to be able to do this. I like how you could just put that, like, at least when it comes to the Etsy one, you can just put it on a credit card. Like, yeah. I could smash the place your order button right now and... Well, I guess it would be denied because I, I think this is a way above my limit. But yeah, mm -hmm. who has a credit limit that high? <laughs> Should I hit it and see what happens? No, <laughs> I guess if you think about like the average cost you put here is um, 50K, that that's like a nicer car loan. Right. Yeah. So I think that right. people kind of mm -hmm. justify it that way, too. They think like, well, if I would buy like probably like a Tesla is about 50,000. Right. 45, 50. Yeah, it varies. It'd be like, but yeah, yeah, it would be like the same as investing in a, in that, except you, you're thinking I'm investing in a home long term. The other thing I wanted to say is like, I know that this is kind of like funny to think about how you can like buy a tiny house from Walmart, probably also because of the fact that it's a tiny house. But I, I also remember learning in school about like Sears homes, like you used to be able to buy full on houses, like nice houses from a department store catalog and they would it's kind of like lego they would send you every little piece you needed and you would just build it yourself so this is the concept isn't really anything new but you know it, it doesn't seem kind of funny to think about people doing it in 2024 especially because like a lot of the trade industries are um null and void as well in our generation like not to say that like millennials and gen z don't know their way around tools you know, but it's it's not as like a prevalent of a skill as it used to be, probably for our grandparents. So, right. And I will say just from looking at some examples of these, a lot of them are delivered in such a fashion that you're not necessarily constructing every piece. A lot of it seems like it's designed to fold out. So it yeah. folds down on itself for travel and then you fold it out. Um, but I think that there are probably some trade-offs that people aren't thinking about. Um, and that kind of takes me into my question of, would we ever consider doing something like this ourselves? Um, I have to say, probably not. But in the right circumstances, if I didn't have any other choice, yes. Um, I feel like there are a lot of pluses to the tiny home, like reducing your carbon footprint living more minimally, setting up where you want to live, etc. But there are also parts of it that I wouldn't look forward to, um, like needing to either rent or buy the land that my tiny house is going to sit on, um, because you can't just put it anywhere you want and not pay for the privilege of having your home there. 
that's really the biggest hold up here. Like, yeah, it's yeah. 50000 for this deliverable home, but then you need a place to actually put it permanently. Yeah. And then you got to get a wire, a water hookup, electricity. And that's my thing. I don't want to deal with that. Like, yeah. some of these creators were, it, it seems, caught a little bit off guard when they realized, you know, it didn't come with its electrics fully hooked up like that is something that you're going to have to do um i would also be worried about security and maybe that's not maybe that's not a real thing maybe these homes are just as secure as a regular home i don't know i would be worried about it i feel like with a smaller space it just feels like it's easier to break in like if you're in a small space in an apartment you're surrounded by other apartments there might be like a a front door this it's like you're just kind of out in the wild but just get a gun and you'll be fine (laughs) yeah i mean the american way right (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. when scared by gun i got my bougie ass house and my gun yeah (laughs) bougie ass tiny home get a baseball bat for backup don't forget the millennial water bottle we've confirmed it can be used as a weapon Mm -hmm. it is a weapon confirmed um and the last thing that i would be worried about is just the fact that tiny houses don't really appreciate and value like full-size homes do. So I would have concerns about not being able to build equity with my property. I know, Andrew, you have some thoughts about that. That is a big one. However, I was thinking if you are saving a lot of money by buying one of these tiny homes, then what you can do instead, if you have extra money, is then to invest that in index funds in the stock market. And then if you're putting more money towards your investments... Uh, in the markets, then maybe you could uh, make it up that way. But I I totally agree about that. I think the benefit of a tiny home is it's just cozy. I like a a smaller, cozier space. This is one reason I love visiting hotels. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I feel like I have too much space in this house for two people. If this was a larger family, like this could house could probably could fit a a, a family of four or five, maybe. Um, this is a big space. I kind of miss my Chicago condo, which was half the square footage. I think it would be fun to have a tiny house for one or two people. That's modern. It's easier to clean. You mentioned the carbon footprint. Uh, lowering your utility bills would be nice. It would be, in theory, a lot cheaper to cool or warm a much smaller space than a full-size house. So I I don't hate the idea. My dream, my dream is to have a getaway cabin or maybe a getaway tiny home somewhere in the mountains that I can just escape into the mountains when I want. But I'll never own two places, so um, that will remain a dream. My whole thing, but some some of these are like a little more spacious looking than others, but my whole thing really would be the space. Like, I think for one person, it's fine. For two, I would feel a little claustrophobic. Like, yeah. imagine like getting into a fight with your partner where you supposed to separate and go stew, right? One of you has to go outside. The rooftop deck from the Home Depot <laughs> one. to make sure that, <laughs> that uh, Walmart puts that in or Amazon. Fuck, it's raining. <laughs> I can't separate from you right now. Yeah, but it's just like, I feel like the space, get it, or like if you both work from home, right? If yeah. you don't have an office, like space where like, you know, like I would, I wouldn't be able to do, I would feel bad about doing this show. Yeah. Oh, I hated in the Chicago condo, my office was in like the living room area. And so I kind of, I kind of made Pat go into the bedroom while I was recording because it just made right. me feel insecure, which yeah. is weird because I'm broadcasting to p- lots of people. But I don't know. I just don't want him in the same space. I get right. it. Or like they have to like tiptoe around, but then they're not as quiet as they think they are. And like yeah. you can always hear the foot, the footfalls. It's like it's not the biggest deal, but after a while, it gets um, frustrating, you know? Yeah. yeah. I would also be worried about the bathroom. Pam, you you made me think about the bathroom situation in oh, talking yeah. about like having space from your partner if you live with somebody or you live with a roommate. Uh, we are in like uh, it's like an 800 square foot unit where we are and we only have one bathroom. And that I will say is single handedly the thing that makes me the most excited to move because Interesting. two I, bathrooms. Yes, we need two bathrooms. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Because it's just when you got to go, and if somebody is like already doing their thing or taking a shower, and it's like, well, fuck. 
now I have to wait. Um, and I have never seen a tiny home with more than one bathroom. So I think on on the basis of the bathroom alone, it's a gnaw for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, well, Mark, can you can just tell Mark to go pee outside. Yeah, you're going to have to get like an outhouse detachment then with your tiny home. <laughs> Ooh, an expansion. Oh, Mr. can you Bob. imagine? It's, I don't know if you guys ever watched like the um, HGTV for a while had like the tiny house show, the tiny home show. And I, I'm just like amazed by some of these families that like will move into tiny homes in their five five family unit, like five person family. So mm. That's not enough. Sp- I mean, like they, they make it look really nice. But after a while, it's like you guys would I, I would go crazy. I couldn't. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a big family. I, I loved growing up in a big family. There's six of us kids and my dad and stepmom had a five bedroom house. Even that was like barely enough space for everybody. Yeah. 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 I mean, my apartment in New York was 200 square feet and it was just for me. And mm-hmm. that was yeah. rough. I couldn't yeah, do sure. that again. So yeah. that that's what makes me uh, not love the idea. And also being in Andrew, you were talking about the size of your home and how it feels maybe too big. I feel like we're at the opposite end of the extreme where it's like when I bought this place and it was just for me, it felt like the perfect amount of space. But now that Mark, Mark and I are building our lives here and we're just accumulating more shit. That's yeah. the other thing too. It feels so much smaller than it did when I first got it. And yes, we could afford to probably uh, Marie Kondo our place and do away do with the things that don't bring us joy. And we're going to. But at the same time, the bathroom. I keep coming back to the bathroom. <laughs> it's a real issue. I, I totally understand that. I highly encourage doing some spring cleaning. I get off on cleaning out the house. I just love finding stuff that I forgot about that I can then sell on eBay. I told you all about this <laughs> Rolo thermal printer. I recommended it a few months ago. This is the greatest thing ever. I am I am a shipping maniac these days. I've got a little pile of stuff over here that I got on eBay. I'm always looking for new stuff to put on eBay. Then it's so easy to ship this stuff with this Rolo printer, and you get really good deals on uh, shipping expenses. So I just I highly encourage it. It feels good to, to clean house, and then you get this money from stuff that was sitting in the closet doing nothing. And that's what gets you off. It re- okay, yeah. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but it really does bring me joy to clean house. <laughs> like, I dropped off three bags at Goodwill of three large trash bags of clothing over the weekend at Goodwill. I was like, woohoo! I was so excited to get these out of the house. And now I have all this extra space in my cabinets. Wow, so refreshing. Yeah, it's time for us to do the same thing. I need to do that too. My closet's getting tight. New millennial Patreon video series where I come over to Lauren Pam's house and decide what gets sold. And Lauren, and Lauren and I are just going to be like, uh, this still brings us joy. And Andrew's going to be like, no, it doesn't. And no, it doesn't. No. It I can see the look in your eyes. <laughs> your eyes are as dead as ever. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> the look of fear. I know you. <laughs> Do you know what my sister wants? She wants a yurt. Whoa. A yurt house. That's like another like tiny home thing. And she's just like, I just have to like rent some space on someone's property and I could just like build my yurt house there. And she says it's it's like 20,000 bucks. It would be like 20,000 bucks. Yeah. So somebody really oh. wants like a cheap alternative and really wants to go small. That might be another option for you. Well, talk about safety. That doesn't feel safe to me. <laughs> That's why I told her. I was like, you want a yurt? And she's like, yeah. She's like, we should all just like buy a bunch of land. That, That's my impression of my sister because she's like a super hippie and she lives, oh, okay. well, now she lives in Alaska sense. but she used to live in Hawaii she's like we should just like go in and buy a bunch of land and we could just put six yurts on it <laughs> wow I'm looking at yurts on lifeintense.com there's how much did you say they cost she said that like it, like on the low end it's like 20,000 bucks to to get a yurt <laughs> and make a house I don't know what she's talking about these yurts are like 1700 not 1000 100 1700 oh okay so i mean well, maybe, she's probably maybe... looking at the fancy yurts yeah she wants like a nice like long-term yurt <laughs> with with walls <laughs> that can't be 
penetrated by guns and knives. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pam, actually, you brought up a good point um, about your sister having this idea to get her yurt and just rent uh, on somebody's land to have it there. A big problem for anybody who owns a tiny house, a mobile home, whatever you want to call it, because let's be real, tiny houses are just mobile homes with better PR. Mm -hmm. um, that can be a situation where you get kind of fucked because if you plant your home somewhere, unless your home actually has wheels, it's going to be hard for you to take it with you. And if you ever find yourself in a situation where you can't make the rent anymore or your landlord no longer wishes to rent to you anymore, you can find yourself in a position where you have to vacate the home that you own and you can't take it with you. This has been a problem for owners of mobile homes for quite some time in this country. They, for one reason or another, end up having to vacate their homes. And because they're situated on a foundation, they're not actually movable. They end up losing their homes. And some of these shitty landlords will start renting out these properties that don't actually belong to them. So that's another thing to keep in mind if you're thinking about a tiny house or some kind of small home option is that when you plant it somewhere, it's probably not going to be that easy to move it. And you're kind of stuck with it where it is. Yeah, I, I guess if I were to actually buy one of these, I wouldn't be thinking about moving around. I guess I would just think about reselling it later because I wouldn't want to move that thing. Yeah, but the market of people who want to buy tiny houses is really small. So putting your tiny house up for sale is not going to look the same as putting a regular sized home up for sale because there's just not the same level of demand. So you might be waiting a while to actually make a sale that you deem to be acceptable. Yeah. It's the same with, with mobile homes. There's a, a lot of um, 55 and over mobile home communities and um, in the Bay Area. They're kind of like almost everywhere. but And they look really nice. But a lot of times um, the uh, seniors, especially like older seniors, not like recent seniors, they get like swindled into these bad deals and then maybe they want to sell. And it's already depreciated in value, even if they've upkept the properties. So, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's so funny, Pam, that you bring that up. And it reminds me of something we brought up during our planning for this, um, which is that, you know, tiny, tiny homes, the concept is nothing new. Concept has existed for a long time. But people who live in trailers or mobile homes have often been looked down upon by large swaths of society. You hear really cruel terms like trailer trash being thrown around. And it just feels like this is another example of something that, you know, either poor people or otherwise disadvantaged people have done out of necessity that is now being elevated by wealthier people and influencers. It's the same with like, like van life. I feel like a lot, you see a lot of um, usually young white creators that have these beautiful sprinter vans that they've converted into homes. And I think that's great. But if somebody could not afford to pay rent and was living in their car, we would not think that it was as cool as somebody living in their Sprinter van. You know, they're both in a way trying to save money. A lot of these creators, vloggers that um, make this kind of content talk about how um, how financially freeing it is and about how much money they save. But because like it's a life that they chose, not a life of necessity, all of a sudden there's a double standard in terms of how society sees that. Yeah. 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 It brings up the whole conversation of um, what's, quote, classy if you're rich, but trashy if you're poor. And that's a perfect example of it. 
I thought of a couple others. Um, day drinking. Definitely Let's brunch. Yeah, Let's go to brunch. <laughs> classy if you're rich, trashy if you're poor. Uh, Florida. That's mm. another one. Yeah. And then asking for money. If you're rich and you ask for money, it's called a fundraiser. <laughs> ah. And if you're poor and you're asking for money, it's begging. I have, yeah. I have another example. Uh, not raising your kids um, on your own. Yep. Classy if you're rich. Trashy yeah. if you're poor. Oh, yeah. That's a big one. Van life, man. I'll be honest. Van life is some. That's another like dream of mine. I mentioned the ca- the cabin. But actually, the number one dream is to have a van and not to live in it full time. But again, to just like escape yeah. to the mountains, you know, go on a weekend trip, stuff like that. I do want to rent one at some point. When when we were growing up, my um my dad had bought this. Um, I, It must have been like an old catering Dodge Ram van, Ram van, and he completely like gutted the inside and redid it, and it was all carpeted. And he put in one of those like um, bench um, seats that you could like lie down and turn into a bed. And we loved that car so much. Like we, my mom would take us on road trips there. We would go visit my great grandparents in San Diego if other people. We're also visiting because the house is kind of small. We would like sleep in the van. You know, we would go camping in the van. All of our friends loved that van. They thought it was like so cool and so spacious because you could like sleep in it or you could just like hang out on the floor in it. You could take it to the beach and it was like, you know, shaded. So anyway, um, I, I think that's a great idea. I have like great memories of growing up, like having a van in the family. And Aww. just having it like be a, a multi-purpose thing that you could, you know, use to yeah. get around. So the thing I that kills that. me is that you mentioned these tiny homes depreciating in value. These vans depreciate in value. It's a car. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, I and and there's options out there where you can like rent it out to other people, which is interesting, but then the insurance and trusting other people to drive right. this expensive van, it's a lot to consider. I think it's cheaper if you know how to maintain it or if you do a lot of the work up front yourself. But most people yeah. don't have that knowledge, right? So no, then you're stuck no. shelling out a lot. You might honestly be better off just getting like a little mini trailer. I was thinking that too. Like a camper trailer. Yeah, yeah hitch it up to the back of your car. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking for like a cool one and I haven't really found any cool ones yet. I I have a prediction. I think Andrew's going to buy some kind of like tiny home trailer in the next year. Tiny home trailer in the next year. <laughs> yeah, that you can like hitch to the back of your Tesla. Okay. Yeah. I, I was actually just looking a couple of weeks ago, but I I just wasn't, I got to find one that's the right weight because the, the all these cars have different weight limits. So that's another consideration. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Let us know what y'all think of tiny homes. We would love to hear y'all's feedback about this discussion and any other examples you can think of things that um you know at one time were maybe considered uh to be less than that now the upper echelons of society are trying to rebrand and make fancy we yeah. always like talking about things like that um yeah. but yeah there's definitely a huge double standard here when it comes to tiny homes versus mobile homes All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break and then we'll get to this week's recommendations. We'll be right back. Coming up in After Dark today on our Patreon, as well as through our Apple podcast subscription to quote Florida Georgia line, baby, your song, you make me want to roll my windows down and cruise. We are going to check in on that nine-month cruise that's currently on its way around the world, and we're going to talk about our own likes and dislikes about cruises, and we'll hear from listeners concerning what their favorite cruise lines are. We got a lot of feedback. I was very surprised and jealous because I've yet to go on a cruise, but Laura has. Meanwhile, Pam has like a fear of cruises, so we've got three different perspectives on cruises. Oh, I love this. It's going to be such a spirited conversation. Yeah. After Dark is part of Mega Millennial, which is the main show ad-free with After Dark attached to the end. Spotify user, tap into the show and then click the Patreon banner. 
You'll be able to access the Patreon audio benefits like Mega Millennial right within Spotify. We also have other Patreon benefits. If you're an exec or a Bay level, you also get access to our brand new roll call benefit in which we're surprise calling each other and just kind of shooting the shit for a while. We already have our first installment up and it was really fun. Our executive producer tier also gets you inside access to two of our four planning meetings each month. You can hang out in our virtual recording studio each week and discuss the show in real time with fellow listeners in our Discord, plus access to our planning docs and a new physical gift every year. There's also tons more benefits. So if you're ever curious, just head over to our Patreon and check those out. And if you prefer to support us elsewhere, there's also the Apple Podcast subscription where you'll get Mega Millennial. Both Apple Podcasts and Patreon offer discounted access to our benefits with seven day free trials and annual subscriptions. So it's time for some recommendations. What do you got, Laura? I would like to recommend a whiskey making kit. Doesn't Ooh. need to be a specific brand. It can be anyone. Um, our friends got us one from Uncommon Goods for Christmas this year. And we just finished uh, soaking our first bottle of whiskey. I, I realize okay, it's a Mormon. weird way to describe it. <laughs> What's the right way? We've just finished curing our latest, our first bottle of whiskey. So I have actually been uh, sipping on it throughout oh. the episode this evening. I noticed that. I wasn't sure if we should call it out or not that Laura was drinking on the job. But how is it? <laughs> it's very good. So for this first round, we decided to do uh, dark chocolate wood chips. Oh, that fuck. sounds fun paired with um orange aromatics they call them the floral. damn you're so fancy i know and it came out so good for someone who only has one bathroom you are really fancy <laughs> <laughs> did you name this drink i would be naming these drinks see i felt like i really needed to experience it to be able to name it this is my first sample of it because we just passed the point where it was ready fully for us to try it. Um, so I don't know. I'm going to have to chat with Mark about this. We'll agree on a name and I'll come back to you. Yeah. Keep soaking on it. I'm sure something will come to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's going to have to be soaking something now. <laughs> <laughs> something with Mormon in there too. The soakless Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> the soaking Mormon. The soaking Mormon. I love it. Uh, I want to recommend, speaking of selling things, BrickEconomy.com. I just heard about this site earlier today. This site is so cool for all the Lego girlies out there. You can make a free account and track the value of your Legos over time. You can also see every single Lego set's current estimated value. A lot of Lego sets actually appreciate in value over time. Um, there are people who will buy Lego sets and just sit on them, never open them, and then sell them 10, 15, 20 years down the road at a huge markup because they're way more valuable because a lot of Lego sets get retired over time. So I made my free account today. I'm going to come clean about my stats. So I own 26,862 pieces. Not This was not okay. a dollar figure. <laughs> 51 minifigs. This is across 12 sets. The current value of my 12 sets, $2,557. It's appreciated in value by 2.5%. Nice. I, that means I spent... $2,494 on my Legos. <laughs> Loser. <laughs> Tell me you're a, uh, a childless millennial without telling you you're a childless <laughs> millennial. So you're not alone, Andrew, because we definitely bought the Avengers Tower and our plan is to eventually flip it. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Are you saying, mm -hmm. tell me you saved your box. Oh, yeah. We haven't. Okay. We haven't opened it at all. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. And I wanted to recommend Rainex Original Glass Water Repellent because we've been getting a lot of rain out here. I actually um, use this right before the rainy season every year on my car. It's It looks kind of like a Windex situation and you just kind of like spray it on 
all your windows and then you wipe it off. And I feel like it really improves um, just the way that the water collects on my windshield when I'm driving and runs off. So I would highly recommend picking up a bottle of this, just like having it in your arsenal. If you get a lot of rain where you live, it's only like $7. You can get it at like Target, Walmart, probably like anywhere, honestly, or you could probably order it online. But yeah, highly recommend. It's a really cheap little thing that you can get in the habit of doing every year to help you out if you drive. All right. Well, make sure you're following the show in your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode and leave us a review in Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Spotify also offers podcast listeners the option to submit feedback right within an individual episode page. You'll see a box under the Spotify episode player that says, what did you think about this episode? And you can use that to send us feedback. As for other ways to contact us, you can email millennialshow at gmail.com or use our contact form or anonymous confessional over on millennialshow.com. And of course, you should also, if you are on social media, follow us over there. We're Millennial Show on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Threads. And over on TikTok, we are at Millennial Pod. That does it for this week's episode. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, everybody. Bye.